Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Where Do We Begin? This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction. Righteousness. Ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher. Soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Thursday, July 6th. I'm July. Yeah, July 6th. I don't even I hesitated there. For some reason, I was like, time warp back one month. July 6, 2023. We have a lot to consider at this moment in time, and, and I've been giving a lot of reflection to where things are a week from the, a week now into this idea or this commission that was placed before me, which I've shared with you here, and we're going to get into it a little bit more tonight. But literally, when God asks you to do something, you cannot hesitate. And in a time right now, when we look at the variety of things going on in our world, we have to really start narrowing down to ask ourselves a simple question of where do we begin? And that's what we're going to kind of frame tonight as we look at the movement of events and start to piece things together of where the intersection point is that makes the difference, not just for our lives, but for generations to come. And I think truly as bold as this statement is, I think God has finally shown me the way not only do we succeed in pushing back this cabal, but we set up a foundation in such a way, a structure, that it can never happen again. Patriots, in this time, one of the things that is extremely clear is that the cabal is trying to do all it can to control our lives. That means control the food, control the people, control the finances, You control the world, control the fuel, you control a nation. Food is their top target right now. And everybody in this time as we move into this next phase, and that phase is literally God's offensive, which is beginning, we have to think like Joseph. We have to fill the silos. And to do that, there has to be a a multi-layered strategy in our lives. There's the things that we keep on the shelf, the things that we can, the things that we do, our garden, our ability to hunt, our ability to fish. But we also need a core amount of product, food, that's never going to spoil. That no matter what happens, you can throw it in the vehicle, you can, you can take it with you, and you know that you're going to be okay, and the family's going to be okay. Because in this time that we're in, we're already seeing displacement by virtue of weather and weather storms. We're seeing the crisis of food looming on the horizon, which is very critical. And so with that, think in terms of emergency food preparedness. That's my Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply. And if you go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you'll be able to find a selection of fantastic products. They are well-built. The entire kits are well-designed with the calories needed, the, the good selection of food and flavors for the entire family. And you can find them in four-week packets, 90-day packets, however you want to do that, and get these things into your holding. It is essential that we all have this sort of foundation in our lives. And it, what it does is it prevents, it's just being a good patriot. We, you need to be able to withstand those interruptions where things are unpredictable. 
So this is, this is a time now to head over to preparewithbards.com. Take advantage of what My Patriot Supply has there to offer. They're the biggest and probably they're the biggest and definitely best supplier of emergency food. So again, head to preparewithbards.com. Use that link. It's always below the podcast. Take advantage of great savings. There's free shipping on these products. Choose the things that you need and take advantage of it today to make sure your family is safe and protected in terms of the food crises, which are definitely coming. Again, preparewithbards.com. All right. There's a lot going on right now, as we know, and I want to go over just a few things to kind of put things in context. I want to start out with a very interesting decision that was made on July 4th. And what it did is it, it was a federal judge that blocked the ability for government agencies and specific people in the Biden administration to talk to and and with big tech and to violate basically the the First Amendment right. It's given us power back, which is important in this time. We need that. But the thing that's concerning about this is in, in the profile of this, and this is coming from the Daily Caller, by the way. I'm just kind of giving their bullets. The 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 judge's ruling is an injunction against the Biden administration that signals governor, the government censorship and, uh, efforts must end. And so it will it's put a stop to their ability to function w- against free speech. And that was under the COVID rules. And this was a, a measure or a lawsuit that was filed of Missouri versus Biden. That was, I think it's Eric... I think it was Eric Schmidt, I think, is the attorney general down there. Super guy. He was at Bards Fest 1. So the, the judge's injunction prevents federal officials, including those in the Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, and the FBI, from communicating with social media platforms for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner of the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech. Now, many are going to celebrate this and say big victory. I agree. It is a win on our side. There's no question about that. But here's the concerning part. People need to know that their government, this is a quote, has a view that they are empowered to curate viewpoints that are consumed by the American public. That comes from New Civil Liberties Alliance, NCLA, Senior Litigation Counselor, Council, uh, Brown, who told that to the DSNF. So in spite of this victory, you have to understand that the government is still is going to use a lot of different powers, and we're still under a COVID emergency, even though it that they're trying to obscure that fact. The fact is that they still see the right to curate information. And this is very important when we start to unravel how corrupt this government is. We are living in a tyranny that is also actively involved in the most horrific crime in human history. And it's not COVID. It's the trafficking of children. That Our government agencies are intricately involved. If you've been listening to the, some of the recent Jim Caviezel interviews, and I'm really happy he's doing it, he's pointing the finger at these bioweapons labs. And he's taken, he's taken the leap now, which you've heard me discuss here before, but he's taken the leap now to go from the film to the bioweapons labs, which is as people are following the film and being awakened, and now they're paying more attention to Jim Caviezel, wonderful discussion because as he's pointing out, many of these children are being trafficked into these labs. They are the test elements, not only for new vaccines, they're the test elements for weapon systems to develop genomic weapon systems, which means gene-specific weapons that can be targeting people. 
and they're also the the places where they're developing commercial grade adrenochrome by stressing these kids. This is these are horrific labs, and it's happening all over the world. The United States funds. We I think I don't remember the exact number. It's an immense number in in Ukraine, and then there's rumored to be as many as a thousand of these labs over in Taiwan. We know that we were funding a lab in Wuhan, and we have labs all over the world. And so when you start to overlay the need for human test subjects, you start to get a very dark and even darker view of the human sex trafficking model than just the specific sex trafficking aspect. The child sex trafficking, child uh, it's a child exploitation model that's going into effect here, is horrific, and it involves deeply our government. So a win like this for free speech, which gives us some room to breathe, but the back end of this is they're still looking to monitor you. And there's so many ways that they can start to squeeze people to shut them down. The, obviously, what circumvents all of this is the new currency and the new platform of the Fed now, which is to try to get where everything you purchase is now tracked and monitored into a social credit score. So they don't anymore have to worry about shutting down your free speech. They just cut off your money. That is by design. Now, in the news that went very quietly this last week that, Nobody commented on. In fact, this was published on 5 July. And nobody commented on this main, other than Daily Mail, which I wouldn't call a mainstream outlet. The Smallville actor Allison Mack was quiet really, quietly released from prison a year early after being jailed for three years for brainwashing and recruiting sex slaves for Nixium cult leader Keith Rainier who is now serving 120 years in jail. And Allison Mack is 40 and was released from federal prison near San Francisco this week. Mack had been serving a three-year sentence for sex trafficking charges in 2021. The Smallville actress avoided a longer prison term by cooperating with authorities. Now that's important right there, that little piece, because that suggests that there's two things that that's suggesting. One is obviously she's spilled the beans on what else is going on. But now it begs the question of what's going on in our government. Do we really have good agents working to tear apart this child sex trafficking network? Or are we seeing a cover-up happen once again in the true Hunter Biden fashion? We won't know, but I can tell you, you need to keep your eye on both because both are potentially possible. Okay, We are moving into a direction where the to understand what's going on is getting increasingly difficult. And it's doing so because the media and the AIs and the control that they continue to try to build is growing at an exponential rate. One of the things that has been happening behind the scenes, and if you've been following what went on in Twitter with Elon Musk, Twitter changed its ability for people to view a number of tweets each day. Didn't it, it, People started claiming it was a clampdown on free speech. From what I'm understanding, whether by design or by, by consequence, that's not really what was going on there. And we saw that happen today because Meta, which is run by Zuckerberg and company, launched its much-awaited disaster known as its data. It was a Twitter clone. And the way they've built the Twitter clone is to scrape and harvest data from Twitter itself. And that's been also another component to all of this as these agencies that some of which have been rebuked by that judge's order in dealing with tech have been building what some refer to as the death star for censorship. 
And what that is, is they are scraping. The, to do that, they have to find mass amounts of data to be able to predict and analyze to know where the narrative development is. Now, in a capsulated form, what I did in Department of Defense and what my private consulting firm was built around was what was called narrative warfare. And this is part of this, is to be able to anticipate, in fact, in the whole thing I did in the commercial space was called proactive risk mitigation, which is a strange category of, of work because you're trying to get ahead of a problem before it actually exists. It's not future crimes. What you're doing is you're looking at narrative development to try to anticipate where you're going to have problems in, with certain industries. What they're doing right now is something similar in the whole area of AI development. And it's, like I said, it's what they call the AI, the censorship death star. But to do this, you have to have live and active data to see how a narrative is emerging. And I did a lot of work here. And so it, I'm, to see what's going on in Twitter is making a lot of sense as to the beast that they're trying to create. Elon Musk actually, whether by designer or by consequence, drove a nail in the coffin of that development at the level and speed at which they wanted. How long he'll hold out at keeping and restricting the number of tweets you can view remains to be seen. But what they've been doing is using Twitter because it's an open forum and you're not limited. And if you understand how the APIs work on the back end, you can access Twitter data in raw form and you can access everybody's account or as many people's accounts as you want to literally see how people communicate with each other and in so doing, build a model that can see narratives developing. What that allows you to do from a censorship point of view is to be able to see what people, who, what accounts, I should say, are linking to this. You can then start to anticipate what groups will start to align with narratives, and then you can get ahead of them and censor them, shadow ban them, and limit their ability to spread information, even though they won't see it you're gonna be able to contain that. And then furthermore, because you see a narrative emerge, then you're able to intersect and inject a counter narrative and use your bots as you suppress the, the, the followers to control and shape a narrative that you want. This is literally what they're doing right now in censorship. It's a different form of censorship than outright traditional blocking. It's shaping the perception of reality. All these things are very important to understand because the world that we're in right now is getting increasingly convoluted in terms of being able to sort out truth. And when we get to the subjects of child sex trafficking, believe me, that is the golden chalice of reveal for the world. And they're going to do everything they can to prevent information from sorting out, from filtering up and do everything they can to suppress it. One, before we go further, one thing I want to point out is air quality. And I will tell you, I have had a huge change in my attitude towards air quality since I brought on EnviroCleanse air filter. It is a unbelievable product. This is a product that is built in the United States. It uses a, a, a hospital-grade HEPA filter, and it uses a mineral filter. These are patented items. And this is a air filtration system that filters out the bacteria, the viruses, the irritants, allergens, and dusts that can cause so many problems in your health. And with that, then create an environment where truly the air is refreshing and clean and better for you overall. 
So if you head over to ekpure, ekpure.com, ekpure.com, and use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you're going to get 10% off on one of these units. They'll also include in an air quality monitor for free. It's a great product. It's a great way to verify and to monitor your air quality. And with this, you'll save about $150. It's a great product. I have been super impressed since I put one in. And again, this is not an area that I have ever really thought much of until I got into it. Now, like I said, the Department of Defense chose this model, chose this product to filter the air in the Navy ships. It's very high grade. And All-American made sturdy, rugged. It's a great unit, easy to move around. It's, it looks nice in the room, but it functions fantastic. It has different settings. It has a whisper mode, which I've used typically every time in the studio. It runs in the background. You don't even hear it when I'm on the mic. And then you have a circulation that can go up to four or five times in the entire room of the house, whatever house room you put it in. A fantastic product to have, improvement of your health, and that's one of those things we have to be very cognizant on is our health, especially what we breathe. So check it out. Go to ekpure.com, ekpure.com. Use your promo code BARDS, 10% off. You'll be super happy. You're going to get a free air quality monitor with that. And it will literally be one of these things that you'll say, how can I live? How could I have lived without it once you get used to using it? And trust me, I'm at that point now. So again, ekpure.com, ekpurepure.com, promo code BARDS. Okay, so today it came out, and just more of this nonsense that we're dealing with right now. Today it came out that the New York City mayor, who had a photo of a fallen officer, and in the whole thing that he did, he had this coffee-stained photo of a fallen officer. It was a complete lie. He fabricated the whole thing. No surprise. I mean, these people, that's all they know how to do is lying. We also have a lot of different movements going on in our economy right now, which are important to track because there's a lot of things and reasons they want you distracted. And as a number of these narratives are starting to filter up, one of the big problems they're having is how to control one from the other because one sparks interest in the other. One of those right now is there's a sudden spike in pawn shops, searches of pawn shops near me, which is a very bad indicator for the economy, by the way, because the sudden spike suggests that people are suddenly running out of money and needing to find cash quick, and pawn shops is where they're turning to. Now, I'm going to play this piece here. From Ben Shapiro, I just want you to hear this, and this gives a good little snapshot on what's going on with the sound of freedom, and this will start bringing things together in the full picture. The sound of freedom has been almost entirely ignored by the mainstream press. We talked with Jim Caviezel and um, Tim Ballard, who are involved in the making of the movie. The sound of freedom has blown it out at the box office. David Suisa, writing in the Jewish Journal of Los Angeles, points out, that this, uh, this movie grossed around $11 million on its July 4th opening. Its per-screen average was twice that of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. About 4600 bucks in 2600 theaters compared to 2600 bucks in 4600 theaters for Indiana Jones. The movie's been blacked out of any coverage from mainstream outlets because, of course, Jim Caviezel is uh, a, an overt Christian. And uh, the media apparently don't care all that much about child trafficking. So there, are very, there are lots of important messages the media are perfectly willing to resonate to including, of course, uh, gay storylines for children. But when it comes to actually fighting sex trafficking of children by making a mainstream movie about it, the media have completely blacked out Sound of Freedom. 
Uh, Sound of Freedom doesn't matter. It's been doing amazing at the box office, thanks to people like you. And if you haven't seen the film yet, you totally should. And that's absolutely true. And that just that is a reminder. If you haven't seen the film, do take time to see it. It's very well done. And it's something that really is sparking a lot of awakening. Now, all these pieces are moving around. And what we're seeing here is a greater positioning of the media in what they're doing and in the media as an agent of the state. And the state is starting to fortify its walls and building stronger and building their strongholds to prevent the spillage of information. The last five years have been a real uh, stress for them. I'd say probably more than five since 2016. There's been a real stress for the main institution of how to control the spillage of information. And they've learned a lot of lessons and they're they're building a pretty massive infrastructure to try to prevent that from happening again. Now, we can all try to tell ourselves and scratch ourselves on the back and pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we're winning. And the reality is that we're doing a great job in terms of elevating information. But as soon as they start to clamp down on the mainstream or the main outlets for that, which will be the Internet as the main portal, and they can do that simply with a biometric scan and then tie that to your bank account, immediately they're going to have a throttle hold on a lot of this information. So the question then, when you start to look at a problem as massive as child sex trafficking, which is the, literally, it is the center of gravity of everything that they do. If you control child sex trafficking and you can control the outcomes of that, meaning cut it off at the legs, this entire system collapses. And it collapses in many levels. Financially, absolutely. Power-wise and brokerage and the power brokerage and blackmail they do, absolutely. But it's at a, at a spiritual level, it's unmeasurable because you start to reclaim the innocence and this is what they're trying to corrupt. But it also does something else. As a ripple effect, as child sex trafficking emerges and people start to understand what's going on, and we're seeing a lot of this coming out of the film, as people start to feel the true calling of what they're here for, which I believe is really God working through them. And that ripple effect forces people to start looking at other areas to realize how corrupt and evil this system of government is. This is literally, we've talked about the genie being let out of the bottle before. This is more than that. This is the bottle being broken and the genie can never get back in, in to use an expression. So how do we do this? And this is something, like I said, I've been praying on this a lot and looking into this and pulling together a lot of my own experience. And it really becomes pretty clear that all of this has to center back to a county by county model. We started county by county three years ago. And the county by county we started was based on seven pillars. Home churches, homeschooling, Patriot Gardens, right work, health and health, health and wellness, informed action, and stewardship and conservation. You put those seven together in our lives as people have worked for that and, and it's been very powerful. Part of the powerfulness of that, if you will, or part of the power of that, is that this was not a model that was contingent upon building a central hub with, say, a financial model like a 501c3 that would have to raise money to then just to disseminate down. This was a true decentralized patriot guerrilla model to fight back against the deep state, and it still has to be in place. I have to be very clear about this. Everybody needs to continue to work towards those seven pillars. Because those are the strength on which we pivot from and build from. So what happens, how do we deal with this child sex trafficking issue? And we're, I will tell you is 
this principal model of what came out of county by county is how we will go about the beginnings of this with creating of the same thing. It has to be a county by county level action. Now there has to be more training involved in this. There's going to have to be resourcing down the road. There's going to have to be, there's going to have to be a lot of elements of coordination, but the initial start place literally is at a county level with people starting to make the moves in the directions of one of three areas. One is building safe havens for kids, which we've already had a number of people reach out to say they have desire and resources to do it. And that's so it's begun. This is, by the way, this is one week since we discussed the commission and since, and not even a week since I accepted the commission. Well, I technically, I guess it's a week since I, I said to God, yes, we'll take it and we'll go. So this is pretty amazing. Then we, we're going to have to have an intelligence network. And intelligence is probably better looked at as what we call human terrain mapping, human terrain and political terrain mapping. And what that means is we have to have people dedicated to digging in deep in your county and in your cities to understand who's who, what are they doing, who are the operators, how are they getting funded, who are the influencers. There's a whole series of things, which, again, we're going to need training on that. But once you start that, it is a foundation that allows you to build an understanding of what's really going on. And then when you start to dig deeper, you're going to be able to identify, for example, the financiers, the traffickers, the handlers, the groomers, the end users. Because all this thing with child sex trafficking, as much as we want to talk about it as a global event and talking about these global strategic operations, what we have to come to grips with is the fact that the United States is the largest consumer of pedo and pedophilia consumer products. I hate to use that term, but that's literally what it is. They are creating a natural business of this. So you have those that want to have physical contact to rape and do whatever they do with a child. You have those that want to do worse, horrific deeds, and want to be filmed doing it. And then you have like just general like child porn, whatever that is, horrific. And then you have the more horrific market of products that are built around abuse and actual murder of children. That's called snuff. That's happening. And then you have the the children that are groomed to become the next generation of groomers. You have the children that are groomed to take positions of power within corporations and places. You have children that are retained as slaves and sex slaves for those in the elite so they can constantly have their pleasure and then create somewhat of a, like a concubine class where they can produce children. There is that part of it, which is the enslavement of children so they become baby factories so they can take the babies from them and either use them for various ritual practices. They can use them for more sex slaves. And then some children are just brought right into the whole concept of sacrificial stuff. This is a level of horror that we have never had to confront before. And it's happening. We're focusing on, on an international level. And the, and the film founder Sounds of Freedom is a wonderful entry point. And it gives you kind of a brief little snapshot of what happens at the local level. But the fact is that where the film begins, which is local, and where the film ends, which is local, is exactly where the solution rests, too. And that's the whole part of this. 
Now, all of this beginning I laid out was the information convolution that's happening in the architecture to try to suppress information. And the question one has to ask, because the center point to winning this war is exposing these people to the light. And while it's, I reference it frequently, my heart is for it in terms of delivering justice, and I have no problem there. But what the place is that we all have to deal with is how do you tell the two stories? How do you tell the story that awakens the people of the actual crime? And how do you tell the story to awaken people's heart of the victim of the crime? When you put those two together, you have a humanistic story that awakens almost everybody. And you have to build it in a way that is has resilience and adaptability both meaning that it has to be able to withstand the attacks and it has to be adaptable to an environment to morph as things change and has the operational environment changes. And has and that comes down to a county level model. I want you to think about where we are right now, where we have some, you know, we have a number of key nodes of information. And this goes back, if you remember, I said we were going to start this issue of county level podcasters. Well, this is what I'm getting to, but it's much more robust here. And this is why, I mean, as I started to work in that model and there's many things that through prayer were being poured out to me, that slow start, which I said originally we were going to start in February, there was something holding me back. And now I know exactly what it is because we didn't see, God didn't give me the full picture, but we're starting to see it now. Now with this, I had somebody ask me the other day, they're like, man, you're sharing a lot of details about this. Aren't you concerned about security? And my answer is no, and then my answer is double no. So let me explain why. We have to make, explain why through an example. I'm going to do this. I did a whole research, a, a deep dive into a, a problem that we had in Afghanistan. The problem was that when we gave the Afghans intel, the Afghans would not hold on to the intel, they would share it. Now the problem that created when I said share it, they would share it among their, their soldiers. And so if there was a, if there's someone was on inside and it went too far, it could get to the Taliban. So the U.S.'s re response was give less information to the Afghans and then only as needed give them the bits and pieces that we know that will be okay for them to have. But what that did is it kept the U.S. in this perpetual controls position and it never empowered the Army. And the problem is that the U.S. totally misunderstood how the Afghans looked at intelligence. We look at intelligence, information, as a coveted asset, meaning we protect it, we isolate it, we compartmentalize it, and then we put tags on it like secret, top secret, TSSCI, etc. The Afghans go just the opposite way. And there's something to learn here. They see the tribe as greater than the information. And they see that the survival of the tribe is dependent on how information gets to every person so they all know what the threat is. So they're willing to take the risk that there'll be some leakage, knowing that in the process of disseminating the information, they develop resiliency and adaptability. And it proves true. So as they filter information through the ranks, if the commander falls, they know that the soldier on the front line still has the information. Now, they still have their areas of compartmentalization, but they're much more open with sharing information than we are. And that's essentially the model that I'm looking at here, and I, and I think I'm right on this. 
we have an open broadcast. We're not doing anything illegal. We're trying to build a network of response here to a openly tyrannical government, a government that already has access to every digital appliance we have. We are dealing with a war on children that lacks a public's understanding of the magnitude of this threat and how significant this is on not only the fabric and foundation of this nation, but the entire fabric of the world. Our only answer is to become very transparent and push information out so people become informed. And to do that, we have to overcome one of the greatest threats ever, which is this censorship beast and continued censorship models. I don't care who's in power. The, that concept of digital censorship and tracking is not going away. I don't care if it's Trump or even, even RFK, or JFK, RFK, excuse me, RFK Jr. Nobody's talking about it yet, about t- dismantling that, because everybody sees that as an asset. And for a large degree, the government doesn't even have the capacity to stop it because the rules are set in place for the corporate entities to do it. And they're doing it anyway. They're scraping everything we have. That goes back to that comment. The government sees that it's, it's right to catalog everything that we do because they can on the digital space. So with reference to tonight's show, where it's the, the title, where do we begin? We begin local. And I'm putting this out here because there's a place for everybody in this fight. And as this model is built up and started to be actuated, there's going to be a time lag before there's actual training products online or there's an actual institute to come to, or there's these things. But just like we did with county by county, as we push this model out, people are going to begin to be able to initiate and get busy immediately. And more and more, we will coordinate. So back to the information thing. A county-level information node is important because the problem that we're dealing with is a local problem, first and foremost. We have to deal with the consumer of that problem who also becomes, by virtue of buying it, a financier of this problem. We can go all day long we want to knocking out the the source of threat. And we can go to the source of the threat, meaning the people that pick up the kids from beginning and traffic them. We could knock out every single one of them and there would still be a problem because the consumer of that problem is, which is primarily the United States, is going to continue to draw in an interest for others outside or even domestically to develop more of that product for them to consume because it is a profitable business and you're dealing with soulless, mindless, greedy people. So the problem has to be nipped in the butt at a local level. And that means you have to have two things. Three, actually. You have to have an ability to understand the local human map. What is going on in your community? And with that, eventually build up people that have the skills like Project Veritas style to penetrate those networks and expose them. The next thing is you have to have the ability at a county level to transmit that story. If it's a digital platform like a podcast, you can do that. But if that goes down, you still have a cell that can develop at the very least letters and flyers that you can go door to door, post on public forums, you can get the information out, but it has to be county-centric. As each county develops its understanding of the problem and becomes more aware, what you're essentially doing is you're developing a First Amendment militia. We've never heard this term before, but it's something I feel very strongly about. And it doesn't take away from our Second Amendment militias, but it's a First Amendment militia. 
And what this does is it empowers people to become proactive and offensive in their tactics with information by building off of a powerful foundation of intelligence that's verifiable and then telling the stories to get this out here so that people become aware. There's a story that just recently came up and it was a Antifa operative that was hired, that was arrested by the Hungarian police. On his laptop, they found 70,000 images of child porn. Once that became known, this Antifa person committed suicide. I'm going to tell you I have no tear on that. Sorry. But my point is these people do not want to be exposed. And the front line of this fight is not the door kicking. And as much as that works in well in the narrative of the film Sound of Freedom, the front line of this fight is informational. And so the two pillars that need to be actuated at the county level need to be the development of verifiable intelligence, what we'll call the human map and the political terrain map, and matching that with an ability to shape a narrative that tells the story both of the crime and the victim. Then you add to that the safe places. As this becomes exposed, what do you do with the kids? And the last thing you want to do is to put them into a CPS program, Child Protective Services, or hand them over to, to something else that will make it worse. So that then begs the question of how do you make this operate? Because under the current system, the judicial process is absolutely broken. And here is the golden ticket. We use common law. And so coming to Bartsfest will be a common law expert. And starting here on next week, I believe it's next week, we're bringing in a common law expert who will now be doing common law classes available and we'll be doing those even classes down to state by state. We have to get smart on basic skills. And there's a whole list of basic skills that have to be addressed. And that means you have to become smart on common law. You have to become smart on the Constitution. You have to become smart on your scripture because common law pivots off of scripture. That's what makes it so powerful. And you have to keep in mind that all of this then pivots off of our authorities given to us by God. When you start stacking these all together, then what you're doing is you're creating a network that's umbrellaed under common law that has the authorities to step in and do what the government is not doing. It is failing us right at this moment in time. You draw from the Constitution, which is the first is the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights. The first is the First Amendment, and you build what we're calling a First Amendment militias. They are, they are literally information cells that are designed to research map out the human terrain, and communicate that truth to the people and do so with a rapid speed on target to expose the evil and to tell the stories of the victim. Then you develop, as you move along, and this is further down the road, once you develop that and you develop your safe places for the children, you develop your common law infrastructure within your counties, and they then have the access to a authorized militia authorized by our Second Amendment to work under the authorities of the common law to execute the judgments on or to pursue the judgments given out by the common law structure to bring the criminals to justice. All of this has to be done in such a way that we are framed around a legal structure 
that it is distributed across 3,000 plus counties in the United States so that there's redundancy and resilience and done so that we can rely, we aren't dependent on a digital infrastructure, but rather can rely on even paper transmission by courier, traditional courier. And then that allows each county to operate as an autonomous element, but at the same time share information across county lines and even to regional lines to develop an interoperability between counties, regions, potentially state, nation state, and definitely international. And this is where we start to take this whole thing back. And all of that that I said, what it requires most of all is people's willingness and calling to step into there and give their time to learn, to become excellent at the skills that those positions require, and to work together as a community to build awareness, the networking, and the strength and fabric so that this can be sustained. That means right back to county by county, home churches, homeschooling, Patriot Gardens, right work, health and wellness, information or information and awareness, and the idea of stewardship and conservation. When you put that seven pillars and you overlay the next level of this, which is the informational and in, the intelligence and the safe safe havens, if you will, for kids. Adding, in addition to that, the judicial and the summary judgment. All of that network comes together, and what we're redoing is we're building out a resiliency at a county level that once established and we get rid of this initial problem over the arc of the coming years, we have an ability to prevent any of this consolidation of power and in, in corruption that's happened from ever happening again because we'll be able to see it at a local level, transmit it to our local communities, and furthermore, coordinate to tell a national story and informational to make people aware and take action to prevent it. This is Operation Vineyard. And this is moving forward with a single goal initially of getting our country stabilized and ending human sex trafficking for good. We have to make, we have to create an interdiction in such a level that for any pedophile, for any consumer of pornography, especially children, child pornography, of any consumer of illicit sex acts or whatever, trafficker, financier, any of those, it becomes such a hostile environment at a local level that they cannot operate. You drive them out because of the exposure, the pressure of the community, and ultimately the hard hand of justice that comes behind. And for those counties that are weak, then you at least know where you channel them, and then you can start operating to remove them from those counties because you'll at least have them channeled and isolated into key areas. Welcome to Counterinsurgency 101. This is the fight we have, and it will depend on each one of us stepping in and deciding this is a commitment you want to make. But in doing this, we have a model. You've now heard it. It's being put down in paper, and its details will be executed over time that will put we the people back in the driver's seat and take the power away from the elites and, and their digital infrastructure that they say we can't live without, wrong. We can live without it just fine because as long as we can write on paper, 
We can put things up on doors. We can transmit, communicate things with courier, which, by the way, is exactly what President Trump did with all of his communications with North Korea. We take away the dependency, if need be, on the digital architecture and structure which they control. In the meantime, we use it to and abuse it to its maximum for our benefit. Let's pray. Father God, we come here tonight humbled and in thanks for all that you have provided and the continued wisdom that you continue to flow down on this time and this place. We thank you, truly, for an opportunity to step in and address, confront, and do be action agents to solve one of the most horrific crimes in human history, the international trafficking, exploitation, and destruction of your children. Father, we ask tonight for a continued clarity on every patriot's heart to be here where you want them to be, to provide the wisdom and inspiration in the heart to step in and start moving forward, to listen to the wisdom that you have, to have the confidence to step in and do the right thing. And as we move forward here, to understand a model and a framework that allows us independence and yet the ability to work together and work cohesively as an army in the body of Christ. Father, we furthermore, we pray for the understanding and appreciation that the body of Christ is a very unique fabric in life. It has so many unbelievable, unique, and special talents that it is not simply a blanket universal way of doing things. You have warriors, you have carpenters, you have writers, you have teachers, you have healers, you have intercessors, and the list goes on. So, Father, we just ask that that settles into people's hearts to give them the confidence to know that there's a place for everyone in this fight, that in this mission going forward, to literally create a network on a national and global level to fight the problem locally, to partner on a regional and national level, to come together as the body of Christ and to smack this problem down, focusing primarily and first of all on our faith and the exposure of evil to the light. We pray that you'll guide us. We pray that you'll give us that continued discernment and wisdom and to provide the resources necessary both in the inspiration of our hearts and the financial and physical resources needed to move this forward and be successful. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, Patriots, I have no doubt that the model I've just laid out is a model that reclaims this nation. I say that with more confidence than I've ever said anything. There's not a hesitation in my mind that at a county level, creating a fundamental structure that builds on what we're calling a first and a second amendment militias. As we do this, we are literally creating the capacity as Americans as to turn this nation back to the power of we the people to not be dependent upon taxpayer funded corrupted political and judicial systems and to be able to step in now and reclaim this nation as it was intended by our founding fathers and in, as a, and all of that as a consequence of doing the greatest work we could ever do for kingdom rescuing healing and restoring the children keep your head up and your eyes forward 
Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win 
at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.